Get informed, get inspired, and get connected. CannabisRadio.com presents NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. The National Cannabis Industry Association is the only national trade organization representing the businesses of the legal cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice covers a range of topics, including the rapidly evolving political and policy changes that affect our industry, news and events of importance to cannabis professionals, and features on companies, individuals, and campaigns at the cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now. Hi, this is your host, Bethany Moore, from NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice from the National Cannabis Industry Association. In these episodes, NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice sent our microphones to interview speakers, exhibitors, and attendees at NCIA's fifth annual Cannabis Business Summit and Expo. Stay tuned to hear more from industry leaders and experts. Hey there, this is Bethany Moore from NCIA, and we're on the floor of the Cannabis Business Summit and Expo, and we're chatting with attendees and exhibitors and learning more about what they do and how they're how they're experiencing the conference today. Today, I've got Peter Vogel here, and he's from LeafWire, and that company is here to help connect investors with entrepreneurs in the cannabis space to boost this economy. Welcome. Uh, Thanks for joining me for a conversation, Peter. Thank you, Bethany. I appreciate it. For sure. So it's important to connect people who need money with people who have money. So that's what LeafWire is here to do. Can you tell me more about that? Yes, sure. So uh, we were started by a group of investors in the space who saw a need that there was less money available in cannabis than there is in other spaces like tech. And the group of investors in cannabis who is typically trying to get that money is a little less experienced or sophisticated than in tech. So it's a a lot of people's first time business. So there's a gap between those people and the people who have money. So LeafWire is built to fill that gap. We're essentially kind of like an angel list uh, for cannabis. So angel lists exist in the tech space, but they don't operate with cannabis companies. So we're here to fill that void. We're here to. Uh, be the connection platform for not just investors and cannabis professionals, but also cannabis professionals to other cannabis professionals. So in that sense, we're kind of like a LinkedIn. So people can join, they can network, they can connect, they can see news, they can find jobs, and they can meet investors. So we're kind of a one-stop shop for all the above. That's fantastic. So investing in tech has its own risks, of course. A piece of software or something could not end up being useful and millions of dollars go down the drain. In cannabis, there's a different kind of risk in addition to that kind of risk. Obviously, it's federally illegal. Are you finding some of the investors who are interested have, they they have some hope for the future or they just have, they're braver than other investors or who are these people that are willing to put their money on the line for the cannabis industry? Right. So that's a great question. And it's, as anyone who's uh, raised funds in cannabis knows it's not easy to get money in cannabis. Uh, one thing to keep in mind that most people don't realize is there's two kinds of companies in cannabis. There's the plant touching and the non-plant touching. And if you're investing in a non-plant touching, or they also use the term ancillary in this space. So if you're investing in an ancillary company, which is actually what my company, LeafWire, would be considered ancillary, because we're a financial website that serves the cannabis community. So we don't touch the plant, we don't sell the plant, we don't get money from the plant. Uh, So investing in companies that are ancillary 
is essentially no different than investing in companies that are tech companies, that are media companies, that are in any other industry. You don't have the exposure to cannabis. What, and and that, that's what does attract a lot of the newbie investors. It's easy to dip your toe in the world of cannabis by investing that way. Companies that serve the cannabis community but don't necessarily have the legal exposure that a grow does or that a extractor does or that a dispensary does. Uh, and obviously those are totally different investment opportunities and a lot of people like those. But I would say the opportunities that are easiest and kind of most straightforward for the newest people are those ancillary companies. And uh, one, one thing most people don't realize is there's about 15, actually it's probably growing now because California's been going crazy, but it was 15,000 licenses. You might know better, but it's probably up to 17, 18,000 by now. Uh, the estimates are that there's probably three to four times as many ancillary companies as there are licensed. So if there's 15,000, there's probably 60,000 ancillary companies. So there's a huge amount of companies out there that need funding, that serve the cannabis community. And that's what Leaf, LeafWire is trying to serve that whole community. All the companies that need money, all the companies that need employees, all the companies that want to share news, they want to announce products. We want to have this platform that's 100% friendly and business for cannabis. Awesome. Well. As you kind of alluded to, not only are there more and more licenses being issued in various states, there's also constantly changing regulations and compliance issues to keep in mind. And hopefully some of the panels here at the Cannabis Business Summit, as well as some of the exhibitors, are here to kind of provide that information, provide that insight. I'm sure you're finding a lot of investors as well as entrepreneurs need that education, right? So being involved in the National Cannabis Industry Association is a great way to bring all that information together. How's your experience so far with with our education and, and with our expo floor? Uh, so far, it's great. I've, as a exhibitor, I haven't been able to really leave the expo floor, but uh, the, I think the turnout's great. There's a ton of companies, lots of really interesting companies. Uh, the the crowd so far is uh, is great. I mean, we just got here this morning, but uh, it's been the, the aisles are jam packed, and we're we're members of NCIA. We're believers. We we love we love all the industry associations that help provide education, help provide uh, information, support, advocacy for the whole community. Uh, one of the things we really believe in at Leafwire too is not just being a connection platform, but providing news, providing information, education uh, to help people uh, feel more informed and they're more likely to uh, become investors. So a big part of what we do is not only help entrepreneurs uh, create their decks, meet investors, help them learn how to get meetings, help them uh, learn what, what not to do in a pitch deck, uh, in addition to helping investors learn about things like what, what's an ancillary company, what, what is 280E, like what are the laws in my state? Uh, most, a lot of new investors don't know any of those things. So. Yeah, try explaining Section 280E of the tax code to somebody that had never heard of it before, and they'll go, what? Or the banking crisis, for that matter. Uh, we actually produced really great educational videos that are animated to try to explain that. So I'll be sure to send the link to you for that. And anyone else looking for those, they are on NCIA's website. Um, so... Wow, it's, it's, it's an incredible day. 7,000 people here today. Thank you so much for joining us and telling us more about LeafWire. How can people find out more information? Uh, the, the best way is just to come online at leafwire.com. Uh, it's free to join. Anyone in the cannabis industry can join, create an account just like LinkedIn. 
So you, you come on, you create a profile, you can connect with people, you can read news, you can look for jobs, uh, and then you can, if you need to, you can connect with investors. So it's really a community for 100% cannabis professionals. We, the, we use the tagline, uh, like, we power the business of cannabis. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for telling us more about that, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your conference experience. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much, Bethany. All right. Thanks for listening to more of that. We'll be having more floor interviews here with exhibitors and attendees here on Cannabis Radio. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break, but stay tuned to NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Friday night, August 25th, CannabisRadio.com and the United States Cannabis Conference and Expo invite you aboard the hottest party of the summer. Burn like a baller and party like a player at High Tide, an exclusive VIP experience aboard a luxurious $40 million mega yacht sailing along the intercoastal and all points in between. High Tide is destined to be the can't-miss nighttime networking event for anyone active in the cannabis space. Don't miss the boat. Tickets are going fast. RSVP now at usccexpo.com and search for Mega Yacht Party. That's usccexpo.com and search for Mega Yacht Party. High Tide is presented by the Cannabis Business Awards, honoring cannabis professionals deserving of historical recognition and esteemed accolades for industry progression and innovation. Learn more at CannabisBusinessAwards.com. Cannabis concentrates have been around for thousands of years. In 19th century America, extracts mixed with other herbs were sold as a miracle cure. Now, Apex Supercritical has elevated the science of extraction into the 21st century. Apex Supercritical is the leader in CO2 extraction, which is the cleanest, safest, and purest way to extract plant oils. ROI in as little as three weeks. Our cost-effective systems are fully automated with an industry-leading three-year warranty. And if we don't have your system in stock, we can build one in as little as four weeks. Bringing CO2 extraction to the masses. Learn more at apeksupercritical.com. Four-week build excludes high production systems. The 2018 United States Cannabis Conference and Expo is just days away. August 24th through the 26th at the Hyatt Regency in downtown Miami. Register now at usccexpo.com. Don't miss out on a jam-packed weekend of education, speed networking, powerful keynotes, plus our can't-miss networking mega-yacht event, High Tide. You still have time to join us in Miami August 24th through the 26th for the 2018 United States Cannabis Conference and Expo. Don't miss out. Log on to usccexpo.com and register now. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. And we're back to hear more from NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. And once again, we are on location from the 2018 Cannabis Business Summit and Expo with the National Cannabis Industry Association. Brasco with Cannabis Radio here with you. Right now joining me is the principal and founder of Special Teams Consulting, Yarrow Lee Kubrin. Yarrow, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. So, uh, right now you work uh, in cannabis cultivation, consulting, and when you wrote to me when we were preparing for these, uh, the show, you had, there was, you had said it was a long bio. It was too much to write in one shot because there is a bit of a history that, um, not a positive one, but the thing is that it's been a number of years 
that you had some confrontations with law enforcement uh, with some of the business work you were doing. Can you give us some context as to what happened and you know your purpose for speaking uh, here at the show? Sure. So first, one point of clarification: I do I don't do any cultivation currently. Oh, sorry. Uh, I am a consultant. Uh, the consultancy that I've done the last couple of years typically helps uh, focuses on organizational development, helping companies scale. Uh, and navigating what up until November of 2017 was a murky regulatory paradigm in terms of what were the rules and regs. And a lot of what I do includes sort of a zoning, permitting, land use sort of overlay. I come from a real estate background. I've been in real estate for 15 years, 10 years as a licensed realtor. So there tends to be an overlap, a convergence in terms of uh, cannabis production and real estate. Uh, you can't really have a conversation about where you're going to produce great medicine, whether it's a concentrate or an edible, unless you have some place to make it, whether that's a warehouse or a field or a greenhouse. So I focus a little bit on that. Um, I come from a pre-regulated marketplace. So my first job was trimming marijuana for my mom in the sixth grade. And I am, uh, I don't know if I'm proud to say, but I have cannabis felonies and my teens, my 20s, and my 40s. Uh, so right. uh, back in, when I was younger, I, I got in trouble. I had a couple ounces on me, and that was a felony. Back when I was younger, I had some hashish on me, and that was a felony. Uh, it didn't matter what amount you had. And so back in uh, 2008 or 9, we had a medical marijuana collective. We had a couple hundred lights, a few full-time employees in three locations. And we were having problems banking our cannabis cash. We were paying our electric bills with uh, cashier's checks. It wasn't a very uh, functional model. We went to a civil attorney. We said, help us with this. They opened up a mutual benefit, not-for-profit, collective, brought us down to the bank. We shook the hand of the vice president of the bank. We told him exactly what we were doing. We didn't hide behind <laughs> terms like wellness center. The name of the bank account was the higher calling and in parentheses THC. Wow. We started putting that money in the bank overtly. Mm -hmm. And within a matter of, I don't know, 10, 12 weeks, they came banging down all our doors. Um, and so there were 13 defendants in that case. They took everything I owned, including $100,000 in sourced and seasoned real estate commissions. I had to get rid of my dogs. I couldn't even afford to feed them. I had a choice between my five-week-old son or my nice uh, Rhodesian Ridgeback, and obviously the son was going to get fed first. We litigated that case for five years, and at the end of that case, I went to jail for six months. Now, I probably would not have gone to jail had there not been five or six firearms in the gun safe at my house. And so that nexus of cannabis, money, and guns doesn't create very good optics, tends to galvanize a prosecutor's uh, resolve to see somebody have a significant consequence. Uh, those guns were legally acquired, registered to my father and my wife, and locked in a gun safe at a location where no cannabis production was occurring. But under a legal theory called constructive possession, they charged me with possession of my wife's firearms because we were under the same roof. Now, I was already a convicted felon for my cannabis cases in my past, right. which are the only thing I've ever gotten in trouble with. No DUIs, no domestic. That's just been my thing. I'm a NorCal boy, hippie boy, named after a flower. And, uh, you know, it's what we do. And so... So uh, they charged me with constructive possession, and uh, you know what, what my attorney had said when we were about to go to trials, look, I could find a jury that's pro-cannabis, and I could find a jury that's pro-guns. I'm going to have a hard time finding a jury that's pro-cannabis and pro-guns. So at the last minute, I threw myself on the mercy of the court. I said, look, do with me what you want. They sentenced me to five years. I served 178 days of that five years, and the remaining four I served on supervision. And I'm still serving that to this day. 
I got out, I had to voluntarily surrender my real estate license, which was kind of a fall from grace. And I, yeah. I understand that that's my consequence to bear. Uh, but I went from being a, in the top 9% of realtors in Sonoma County to not knowing what I was going to do with my life. So I started working as an unlicensed assistant because I still love real estate yeah. and I, yeah. I bring a, a lens and a perspective and a sphere of influence. And um, I started doing some project management in San Francisco for a subterranean construction company. Got injured on the job and I pivoted to consulting. And uh, some of my consulting has nothing to do with Canna, helping people with zoning variances or projects where they're taking a building and converting it from a firehouse to a bakery. So dry sort of, you know, dry stuff, but it's good for me because that's what I'm good at. Uh, and some of my consulting does include Canada where I'm helping people apply for permits in different places like Sonoma County or Los Angeles. And so what I tend to do is help these companies scale and to sort of navigate that regulatory process. I don't touch the plant. I don't cultivate. The government took all the fun out of that for me and I'll, I'll never do anything that would jeopardize uh, my freedom. Uh, but the world has changed in the last eight or nine years. Uh, and the thing is, really it, what has changed as well is that, you know, you come back with a story of survival. And you come back with a story of saying, listen, you know, there's a lot of things I've overcome. And to get back to where I am and uh, to stand back up here and come and speak at the show and, you know, still be able to offer my expertise and not, you know, to overcome all the adversity. I mean, there's a lot of sacrifice that they got taken to get he back here. But um, when you reflect back and when you see what the sector and, and your peers say about you, how do they respond? So it depends who those peers are. If those peers go back quite a ways, they know that I'm trustworthy. They know that, I'm a, that I work hard. Uh, they know that I come from a place where all you had was, uh, was, was your word in a pre-regulated marketplace. Um, that was really important. I have noticed a different response from people who are newer to the space or investors or people who Googled me but maybe didn't spend the time to drill down or ask me questions and, and said, oh, we vetted you and it turned out we can't work with you. So I have seen some shunning from people in the space uh, because, uh, uh, because they're concerned about optics or they don't really want to drill down and get some of that uh, sort of granular information about what the context was. Um, at the end of the day, you know, I'm not looking to make everybody happy and I probably will never succeed in that. People who come from sort of that, that sort of cultivator, Northern California cannabis culture background, I feel really comfortable in those circles and I feel that I'm in good standing with those folks. Well, nobody can take away the knowledge you've, 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 you've accrued, the, 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 what you've done, your, what you have done with yourself in many different sectors. People can't take that away from you. And the truth is, I would think that, you know, on a story like this, I think we definitely need to have you back on to tell the whole story and I'd love to go and get you on one of our shows well, to definitely that, tell that. The thing that I'm most passionate about is financial reform because that's how everything happened to us. We went down to a bank, we overtly banked cannabis cash, the bank called the cops and they came banging down all our doors. And so what's really exciting for me is financial reform in the space. And cannabis is like technology now. The rate of change and evolution in this space is so pronounced and so quick. And the one place where we haven't seen that rate of change is in financial reform. And so my hope for the industry is that I could raise my hand and say, let's try to find a way that that doesn't happen to other people. And let's get some banking solutions in place 
Um, and so I'm just happy to see the future of cannabis. Currently, I'm a qualified equity applicant in San Francisco. Right. And this equity applicant social justice piece to cannabis is really exciting to me. Not just because I qualify in San Francisco, but because last year as a consultant, it was my job to find some qualified equity applicants in Oakland for some people who were putting in permits for 66,000 square feet of space. So this social justice piece where we're trying to write the failed policies of yesteryear, right. that's what I'm speaking about today. And it's something that I think, I think is a really exciting new emerging facet of the cannabis industry. And I'm sure there, much like myself. I mean, like I said, personally on my own thing. I mean, I think people can go and look back and see any kind of history, but it is about the, you know, it's the content, the character, of the person, and what you have done. And honestly, I mean, you were looked at by people that don't understand this business that decide to go and use you know whatever kind of rules and regulations to take somebody down but today you know you hope there's going to be some point where some of the work you're doing is going to change some of the regulations that cannabis will not be looked upon with any kind of stereotype or any kind of where mainstream will look at it as legitimate business and all the things that are being done that you were doing back then will be legitimized someday before it's all said and done so my horse in the race is financial reform social justice and equity as it relates to the cannabis policy and making sure that the people who built this industry still have a place at the table when the people who are new to this industry come in and add a level of sophistication and professionalism right. that's sorely needed but let's Absolutely. not but let's not leave that small mom and pop farmer that got zoned out because they're on a rural residential property and now they can't get a permit let's not leave those people in the dust when really they represent the largest brain trust for quality craft cannabis cultivation in the whole world and it's all here in northern california and do you feel like in the industry itself especially in the show like the business summit that that professionalism if this turned a major corner and if you really feel like not just because of the people that came into it but the people are starting to adapt and say okay listen we can still be who we are but we want to make sure that we're open to everyone and we really keep ourselves open-minded you know i look at it in a couple of different ways it is true that there are people who've been very successful in cannabis because maybe they couldn't succeed in other areas and there were lower standards in an under-regulated market but i also look at it from a different perspective i heard a very famous politician who was a keynote speaker recently say you know we're here to to add legitimacy to the cannabis space. And the honest truth is I don't see it that way personally. All they need to do is take away the delegitimacy and we'll be fine. And so if give us access to banks, we don't need to store cash. If we don't need to do that, maybe people won't have guns in safes. And so part of that lack of professionalism has been that there hasn't been an ecosystem that has allowed people to be professional because there's been external restrictions. I do think that there's some great talent that's coming in in the space because it's kind of the cool thing and it's exciting. Yeah, yeah. And I like that talent is attracted to the space. And I think that the, the industry in general will benefit from that. Um, but I think that there already was a lot of amazing people here. Absolutely. And uh, that convergence and what that will do for the future of the industry, I think it's going to be nothing but amazing, honestly. Well, Yarrow, thank you so much for your story. We're going to definitely have you back on a little more for, longer form to get the whole story out because there's only there's just so much context to put into this. To And the story is just, I'm sure there's a whole lot that can be said in between of all of that that we just could not compact into an interview like this. So. We're going to have you back. Yarrow, how can people get in touch with you and work with you? Uh, I guess they could email me. Um, 
specialteamsconsulting at gmail.com is probably the easiest way to reach me. All right, wonderful. Yaro, uh, Kurban, uh, thank you for so much for being on Cannabis Radio. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break, but stay tuned to NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Join us in Anaheim, California, this October 22nd and 23rd at NCIA and CCIA's California Cannabis Business Conference. With 60,000 square feet of expo floor, over 3,000 cannabis business leaders, and over 100 thought leaders and policymakers, the California Cannabis Business Conference is the place to learn how to navigate the world's largest adult use market. Register today at www.CaliforniaCannabisBusinessConference.com. Strainwise Consulting is the most sought-after consulting company for cannabis business applications and management contracts. We consulted on the first recreational license in the world and have had an over 95% success rate on applications submitted. The industry is growing at such an exponential rate that building a powerful and lasting cannabis business is a number one priority. Here's Strainwise's Sean Eubanks. In our first five years, we branded and supported nine medical and recreational marijuana dispensaries and a Approximately 160,000 square feet of sophisticated and efficient product cultivation. Strainwise Consulting has the experience and expertise to guide you through the process. Retail sales of medical or recreational cannabis in the United States are expected to hit eight to ten billion dollars. Are you ready to invest in the fastest growing business sector in America? Then you have to check out the United States Cannabis Conference and Expo, Phoenix, October 4th through the 6th. Open to the public. This two-day conference will focus a wide range of sectors, including healthcare, law, politics, sports, and numerous investment opportunities for entrepreneurs and startups. Hundreds of exhibitors will showcase their products and services to medical patients, caregivers, mainstream consumers, and business-to-business professionals. Join us as we merge business, education, and entertainment with thousands of attendees at the United States Cannabis Conference and Expo in Phoenix, October 4th to the 6th. For more information, go to usccexpo.com. That's usccexpo.com. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice, only on CannabisRadio.com. And we're back to hear more from NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. We're on location for the NCIA Cannabis Business Summit 2018 here on CannabisRadio.com. Braska here with you. And right now, I'm looking at a fascinating machine. Uh, what is the name of okay this I'm with Bibio Limited and I'm talking right now with Tara Croom who's director of business development and project manager Jessica flip that badge Jessica Nabe so thank you ladies for joining us we are looking at this machine which it, it kind of resembles an ATM machine when I look at it but if somebody can tell me what does this machine do so it's essentially a reverse ATM and it manages in-store cash um, so uh, an ATM, you would put the money in and then, or uh, put your credit card in, get the cash out. This is a store management of cash funds. So every employee has their own PIN code. They would, they can get cash in or out just with entering their PIN code they, and they're within their designated limits set by the owner or store manager. So if you need to do payroll or pay vendors with cash, you can use this machine. It stores it all right here. And um, even if you need to buy change as well. Anybody that's looking to go ahead and 
invest in a device like this, security must be an important factor. So uh, anything you could tell me about the kind of secure measures that are put on this machine to keep it very secure? Yes. So we do all of the installations, and they're bolted to the ground with 1,000 torque anchors. So it would take a lot to get the machine out of the store. So that's uh, one security measure. But as far as the software, again, every employee has their own PIN code. So you can track exactly who is doing what with the cash, and it can also tie with the source POS system. So if you're expecting $100 from an employee... Uh, through the POS, then you know they should be dropping $100 at least into the machine uh, because of that reconciliation program we have. So if there's any variance, then you can catch that. Get to the project made side. When you had to go ahead and build, say what's now I see here uh, on the exhibits here, Series 4, uh, tell me some of the things that had to go into the building of a machine like this. What, are, what were some of the expectations that potential uh, investors would have? Um, well, it's a very secure machine. Like Tara had said, we bolt it to the ground. Um, each individual has their own codes. If you have something smaller like the Series 4, it is a storage-only machine. It does not dispense cash, but it does have a storage vault on the bottom that you could hold other valuables or items like that. Um, now you said that this is bolted to the floor when it's put into a business? Yes, it is. And then how many pounds itself, standalone without it being bolted, are these machines on average? Um, this The two, TR250, our giant machine, is almost 800 pounds. So even if it wasn't, oh, almost 900 pounds. So if it wasn't bolted to the ground, it's still very difficult to get out of the store. Now, uh, is there anything in terms of any kind of any counterfeiting uh, measures that are put in the machine so as to be able to detect what kind of currency goes in, or does it take any international currency? Yes, to both of those. It, it does detect counterfeit. All of our machines do. And we can also build them to uh, specific currencies. Uh, actually, for example, in Canada, we have machines that can detect both Canadian and U.S. currency within the same bill validator wow. and know in the, their soft, the software that um, what's what and be able to distinguish that. Now, one other question I would think would be really, really important would be the kind of support that you offer. If you have to have people, this is where technical support can only go so much online. To have people that are available wherever you have to go and meet them, whether it's around the world if you sell one of these machines, uh, how accessible are actual in-person support staff? Extremely accessible. As far as our company, we have uh, essentially 24-hour availability to troubleshoot and help. And we have technicians nationwide in every state uh, can, and in Canada and can reach pretty much any area, including remote locations. And we've also partnered with our manufacturer to um, offer an extra level of support, uh, depending on what kind of support is needed. So we have different tiers. And whether that's a four-hour window of we'll send someone out or within a few days, it's up to the customer and the problem and what's at hand. But we can take care of it um, very quickly. So has it only solely been uh, dispensaries that I guess that have bought into this? I mean, what other businesses, I guess, have uh, looked into it? Has anybody else looked in this kind of uh, proprietary equipment? Absolutely. So this is actually the industry standard in all convenience stores, fast food restaurants nationwide. We work with almost all of the major armored car companies doing their installs. So we do hundreds of installs of these machines a day in traditional markets. And what kind of, you know, that might be a little bit of a tough question, but if the financial sector does change and, and you know, banking and investment and being able to go ahead and 
have better ways to payment process. When those things change, what you know, what kind of a, a span do you think there is of people that are going to be interested in holding on to one of these products or waiting out for, you know, banking industry to kind of be more, so you know, more. More helpful to the cannabis industry? That's a great question. That's actually a question we get asked quite often. And these work hand in hand with banks. And in traditional markets, what will happen is uh, a company, whether it's the armored car company or uh, another entity, will offer that or guarantee that cash. And the bank will then offer provisional credit, which means once that cash goes into the machine, that it can be wired directly to their bank account at the end wow. of the day. So it, it actually, banking would help. Yeah. And it, it works either way. And so we tell people all of the time, even if you purchase it now, there's so many options once banking comes on board for it to even enhance the offering. Actually, even for the banking, it's probably better off. It's just you have the security, you have it where if they understand the machinery and they're able to go ahead and just access it, just like you said, just like if it's an armored car service, currency gets brought back to the bank, wherever you're holding your accounts, that's perfect. So. That's to take away any people that say, well, this is just a machine. I mean, I want to be able to, in the future, maybe something changes, but this works hand in hand. That sounds fantastic. So if people are interested in a complete line I see of these cash recycling built for marijuana dispensaries, you know, how can people get in touch with you? How can they learn more? Get a price quote? Yeah, great question. So they can email our team at sales at bibio.com or even me directly at croom.t at bibio.com. Uh, yes, C R O O M as in mother. Dot T at B as in boy I B as in boy B as in boy E O dot com. <laughs> Excellent. So Jessica Nave, Tara Kroom with Bibio Limited. Thank you so much for being with us on Cannabis Radio. Thanks for tuning in to these special episodes from the conference floor. You can join us in Anaheim this October twenty second through twenty third at the California Cannabis Business Conference. Learn more at CaliforniaCannabisBusinessConference.com. And thanks for tuning in. Until next time. Opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.